This is PodBridge. Connecting the U.S., the Middle East, and the world. Welcome and thank you for joining another episode of PodBridge. I'm Hinda Lateba, Director of Strategic Communications at the UAE Ministry of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation. Each week, our goal is to explore issues of common interest between the U.S., the Middle East, and the world. In today's episode, we will be exploring an issue of great importance around the world, that of women's empowerment. Women's Day on March 8th gives us an opportunity to reflect on the progress we as an international community have made in elevating women's voices, especially in key fields such as government and diplomacy. Cooperation with our international partners and sharing lessons we've learned along the, the way is an important part of this progress. Joining us today to discuss their experiences, we have Her Excellency Marcy Grossman, Ambassador of Canada to the UAE, and Her Excellency Heidi Venemore, Ambassador of Australia to the UAE. Thank you, Ambassadors, for joining us today. If I could uh, start with Ambassador Venemore, please, could you provide us with an overview on Australia's progress in this field? How much is women's empowerment embedded in your policies? The short answer, Your Excellency, is quite a lot. There's a very clear link uh, between the well-being, the prosperity, the productive productivity of women and that of societies in their entirety. So the fact that Australia's Foreign Minister, uh, Senator Maurice Payne, is also the Minister for Women, speaks to our firm belief in the connection between gender equality and peace, security and prosperity. Our ambassador for gender equality, a woman called Julianne Guevara, represents us in multilateral fora on gender issues, and she also leads all of our international work on, uh, on gender issues. And her task is to raise the level of priority given to gender equality and to women's empowerment right across the globe, uh, and also to work on outcomes that will make a difference in the lives of women and girls. We're very passionate about all of that. So we've embedded uh, these positions inside our system and we've also got in the uh, Department of the Prime Minister our Office for Women. It works right across government domestically um, and internationally to deliver a whole series of policies, programs. They also advance gender equality and they improve the lives of Australian women. The kind of thing they look at is is, uh, workforce participation, strengthening economic security and prosperity and safety from violence, things that are very, very important to us um, at home and globally. Um, And also important, I think, is the fact that gender equality is really embedded in our age program um, under our Partnerships for Recovery strategy, uh, a title that's related to COVID recovery. the needs of women and girls is a very key focus. And in the past year, we've delivered $1.3 billion in, in Australian dollars worth of ODA that's targeted gender equality and women's empowerment. But I wanted to um, finish my answer to your question, Your Excellency, with a little piece of colour, and that is our foreign service, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, for whom I work, curated uh, an exhibition last year called Portraits and Mirrors. Uh, in which the portraits of each female ambassador were displayed uh, alongside mirrors. And those mirrors represented each post where there has not yet been a female ambassador so that aspiring women 
could stand in front of those mirrors and see themselves in those roles. I was really touched by this exhibition. It's been so inspiring to young women that we've now hung it permanently um, in the uh, in the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade building in Canberra. So that's great. So in essence, you know, very much embedded uh, into Australia's policies and the way we see ourselves domestically and in the world. That's truly, truly inspirational. Uh, I hope I get the opportunity to, to visit the exhibition. Uh, thank you so much, Excellency. Uh, Ambassador Grossman, uh, I know Canada adopted a women-oriented foreign policy. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that and what does this policy entail? What does it mean to women in the diplomatic corps and how, how does it serve the interests of women abroad? Thank you, Hand. And first of all, I just want to thank you so much for your leadership and for really being a shining example of women's empowerment in the UAE and, and abroad. And I want to thank you for including me in today's conversation. And to you and to Heidi and to all of our listeners, I wanted to wish everybody a happy International Women's Day. Today is our day. <laughs> it's the global celebration of uh, our social, economic, cultural, and political achievements around the world. And I'm really thrilled to be celebrating it with the two of you. So let me tell you a little bit about Canada and uh, some of our foreign policies. So first of all, uh, just building on what Heidi said, this year with the continuing effects of the pandemic, we also recognize the importance of the challenges that women face in the workplace and, and how they've been really deeply impacted by the health and the economic crisis more so than, than men, in fact. And that is why uh, the Government of Canada's International Women's Day campaign this year is around feminist recovery. That's our theme. So as Canada looks towards rebuilding stronger uh, after COVID and recognizing that the strength that women bring to our country and our economy is really vital to our recovery. So that is our theme this year, feminist recovery. And that's really no surprise because Canada has adopted not only very strong domestic uh, feminist policies, but also this feminist foreign policy writ large that you talk about. And really what that means is that all of our foreign policies are looked at through the prism of women in order to support gender equality, women's empowerment, inclusion, and whether that's in trade or in security or diplomacy or in international assistance, assistance all of our initiatives are looked at through that prism. And that's because our fundamental belief is that when all people, regardless of their gender, can fully benefit from and participate in the economy, in political life, in social life, in cultural life, that really together we can build a more safer, more prosperous, and more sustainable world uh, in our countries and abroad. So that is why we have moved forward quite decisively over the last, in particular, five years on a feminist agenda abroad, but it's building actually on very strong roots of our feminist agenda domestically. And uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but just some short examples of our uh, Canada's feminist foreign policy and how it's being operationalized. It's really through a whole suite of policies, programs, initiatives that include an inclusive approach to trade. So we will not negotiate any trade agreement um, in the future that does not uh, reflect uh, the interests of women in that trade, so this inclusive trade. We have a national action plan on women, peace and security and the, and the LC initiative, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And we also, uh, like yourselves, have a feminist international assistance policy. That's truly uh, remarkable. Thank you, Ambassador. Uh, if I can just add from the UAE side, 
we we've also made quite some uh, progress on on this file and uh, share a lot of similarities um, with your countries. An example uh, I'd like to talk about is uh, the fact that the UAE Constitution guarantees guarantees e equal uh, rights for both men and women, uh, including uh, you know legal status, claim of titles, access to education, the right to practice professions, and the right to um, inherit uh, property, etc., and also um, the participation of women in the UE cabinet um, has been amongst the highest in the world, actually, um, and it really reflects that that strong position um, that some of our women uh, were were able uh, to reach. My next question is to both of you. If you could please tell me. Uh, Perhaps, what are some of the similarities and differences that you see between policies of Canada, Australia, um, and the UAE in the field of uh, advancing uh, women's rights? Perhaps some of your observations. From my perspective, uh, <clears throat> um, I think it's very clear that we're all like-minded in our aspirations. Uh, but of course, we're different in the way we approach uh, reaching those. Um, and we're at different stages in our respective journeys as well. Um, you know, one of the things that struck me this year is the, the UAE, of course, showcasing its achievements for the world through the Women's Pavilion at Expo, uh, which opens here in October and will be very active participants uh, in that pavilion uh, because we're committed to the same values uh, as is the UAE. Our policies are, are true to our own values, uh, and that includes in my department where we've done some really interesting work, which I wanted to touch on today with you both, and that is we've, we've set some objectives and we've measured ourselves against them, um, and that, that is uh, putting in place what we've called the Women in Leadership Strategy. Very interestingly, women have been entering my department in equal numbers since the mid-1980s. They were performing very well, um, as well, if not better than men, but they were less likely to apply for promotion or for head admission roles. Uh, and there were equal numbers of men and women at every level, except in the senior executive service where there were only 32%. And in 2015, we found only 25% of our overseas ambassadors were female. So we did a, a really useful review uh, and it found some interesting things, including Unconscious bias um, and masculine notions of leadership meant uh, that assumptions were made about women's suitability for leadership um, and that the very competitive environment where um, women, of course, were less comfortable with self-promotion had had an impact on women's promotion in more senior levels, um, as did limited acceptance of flexible working conditions and barriers at post, for example, particularly taking maternity leave um, when you're posted overseas. So what we did was set some targets. We reached those targets in 2020, which was great, um, and that was 43% uh, uh, of females in the senior executive service. We actually exceeded that. We got to 46, um, and we got to 43% of heads of mission overseas. So we also did a couple of other really interesting things like implementing what we called an if not, why not approach to flexible work, uh, working from home, et cetera. Uh, and we added a whole series of resources to help us champion gender equality in the workplace, including things like, um, you know, calling out everyday sexism um, cards, which people use to sort of support themselves in responding to incidents which weren't appropriate. 
Um, the diversity that's emerged as a result of that has actually, in our view, quite directly contributed to our ability to be really resilient under pressure, um, such as during the COVID pandemic. And harnessing the diversity of staff leads to those sorts of benefits because in our thinking, different kinds of leaders can challenge prevailing approaches um, by bringing in new perspectives, bringing in new priorities to the task. So what I wanted to do today was just illustrate one way of looking at, um, you know, the way Australia's uh, Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade has looked at um, the way to bring forward women into more senior positions uh, in the system. And, you know, I'm partly the beneficiary of that, I'm, I'm pleased to say. Um, and perhaps without that sort of approach, I might not be here today in your presence. It's quite impressive, uh, Ambassador. I'd love to to actually perhaps offline yes. <laughs> learn a little bit more about what you've done. Absolutely. Because it's, yeah. it's truly remarkable um, how, how you have observed uh, such progress on some of these issues that are really important. And like you said, women do tend to perhaps be uncomfortable to make certain requests and um, it is important that these issues are, are addressed in the future. Thank you for, for sharing that. Ambassador Grossman? Yeah, I'll just um, building on that point just a little bit. I think one thing that I think unites all three of us, even though our timelines are different and our, our contexts are different, is we've all come a long way in terms of women in diplomacy. Um, obviously, Canada is a much older country, so we have a longer history uh, than the UAE. But just to give you a point of context, in 1943, uh, we had our first female appointed as vice consul in New York, and she was basically the first female diplomat ever, 1943. Following that, um, foreign service officers were appointed in 1947, a whole batch of five of them went out. In 1954, we had our first uh, female head of mission and she was actually appointed in Lebanon and, um, and then to Israel. And then in 1971 was a great milestone. So imagine now we're 1971, we've got a five or six um, female ambassadors out there. The UAE is just being born, 1971. And the rule requiring female foreign service officers to resign once they are married is removed in Canada. So imagine in my lifetime, I would have had to resign my position uh, just by being a woman um, and getting married. And so fast forward that to today in terms of progress made and similar to uh, the UAE and to Australia is today uh, half of Canada's uh, heads of mission abroad are women and they are ambassadors, high commissioners, and consul general. So I think we've all had a journey, um, and our journey has been a, a bit different. And, and just a really proud, another proud fact about just this region, in the Middle East alone, Canada has six female heads of mission. Um, Jordan, Lebanon, Morocco, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one thing I wanted to, to remark on. The other thing I wanted to remark on is how all of our countries really um, put a priority on the status of women and on gender uh, balance. And so similar to the Gender Balance Council here in the UAE, for example, which I know the Gender Balance Council per se is relatively new, um, but I think it also goes back to founding father uh, Sheikh Zayed and Sheikh Fatima again since 1971. Um, I don't know why this date keeps coming up, but in 1971, Canada created its first minister responsible for women 
So that's the journey that we've been on for the last 50 years. And that became an official department and an agency actually in 1976. And only recently in, in 2018 um, was there legislation that was created to make it a full fledged department of women and gender equality. So I think again, we've each been on a similar journey around these issues and coming to um, um, you know, a much better evolution than, than we have been. And um, I'll stop there, um, but I would also say that um, gender-based analysis, if you want to talk about that, and uh, feminist international assistance, if you want to talk about that, I think are also areas where all three of our countries are, are really making great strides in terms of the money that we allocate uh, to international assistance and also the gender-based analysis that we take to creating policies, not only domestically, but also internationally. Thank you, Ambassador. Uh, I like the idea of uh, having a minister focused on, on women. We, we have quite uh, different ministers here on different issues, whether it's uh, you know youth or AI. But I, I'd love to see a, a minister that's responsible for, for women uh, issues. I think your answer leads to what I was planning to ask, actually, which is where can we cooperate? So where, where can the UAE cooperate um, with Australia and with Canada? And what untapped opportunities uh, you see? Ambassador Venema? Thank you. Um, we have a great opportunity to embed further an initiative that uh, came up in 2018 uh, as a result of some very energetic uh, female uh, deputy ambassadors uh, from a couple of the embassies in Abu Dhabi, and that is uh, what they named the UAE Diplomats Women's Majlis Series. Uh, and it's a network, really, a women's network for female diplomats in the UAE from embassies and also uh, with some members in the UAE government and beyond. Uh, they've hosted almost 10 events, I think, featuring uh, panels, including a female ambassador, uh, senior Emirati women uh, and usually with a subject matter expert. Those topics have been very broad, including mentoring, the impact of COVID-19 on women, the intersection between race and gender for female diplomats, male allies, um, and even the relevance, rather cheekily, of fashion uh, to women diplomats. The, the discussions have really... I think, assisted junior women, mid-level women to unpack some of the success stories of senior female leaders and in doing that, reimagine what's possible for themselves, including through the really practical advice that's often shared by members of those panels. Marcy and I have both been uh, on panels for, that, uh, for the Women's Majlis series and uh, increasing numbers of uh, Emirati women are becoming involved. So I really think there's fabulous potential there for us to embed and expand that together. That's great. I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, possibly some of the external things that we could work on together. So one of it is sharing what our policies are, whatever it is, hours of work, telework, flex work, empowerment of women, sponsorship of women, all the things that our departments do to bring women up to the executive cadre but I think also internationally there's a lot of things that we can do together that, that align well with our priorities and one of them is women in international trade and that has been a huge priority for the government of Canada recognizing that you know in order for our economy to 
to work that uh, women have to have the same access to exporting in international markets as men do and in order to grow our and because we are a small country and we rely on exports we have to get women out there exporting so we have um, set up a number of initiatives uh, one is called the business women in international trade as a for example and that actually focuses on uh, women entrepreneurs and startups and helps them get out into the market and of course over expo 2020 um, now in 2021, our offices are going to be supporting a number of women-led trade missions um, in the areas of technology, clean tech, et cetera, et cetera, various roundtables. We know that there will be a women's pavilion at Expo. So I really think that um, that is one area where our three countries could collaborate is on how we receive our women in international trade when they come here and the programming that we could build for them and the partners that we can align them with here in the UAE. So that was just one thing. And the other thing I really wanted to talk about uh, was um, women, peace and security, because I think that is a priority uh, to some extent to all of our governments. And basically that's, you know, ensuring that women are acknowledged as, you know, peacemakers, peace builders, peacekeepers, and we all have varied initiatives around that. And if we could, you know, take the best practices of each of our countries and put them together. I think that's an area, um, especially now with the Abraham Accords, where, where we could find traction together. I think just the fact that we are uh, sharing notes uh, on what we've done uh, is quite useful. And what makes it interesting about uh, the work that we do is uh, having different perspectives from different countries. So while some of us have perhaps uh, excelled in certain areas, other countries have done perhaps a better job in, uh, in, in that same area. And I think, I think comparing notes is really critical in advancing uh, this agenda. We have time, I think, for one more, one more question. I want to talk about your personal experience uh, as ambassadors. So we have two uh, you know, outstanding women uh, here in the in the UAE with great experience. What message would you like to send to aspiring female diplomats um, on this occasion? Ambassador Venemore. Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, it's a very good question. I feel so uh, passionate about sharing of experience. It's so critical. Um, there's a fabulous saying, which is, you can't be what you can't see. Uh, and that applies to young women um, looking around to see what it is they want to do, what they want to be. So my key message there would be, you know, find mentors doing what you want to do. Be curious and ask questions, engage with them, see what they do, take from them the best behaviours that suit your true self. Uh, the most critical part of all of this is to be authentic, to be true to yourself as you advance. Don't compromise your key principles. And please, please, please reach down to bring up those who are coming behind you. Um, a diverse world makes us all stronger. Uh, and my own experience um, here in the UAE, somewhat circumscribed by COVID, of course, I've been here exactly uh, the year that COVID has been here too, um, has been very much of a welcoming environment where being a female ambassador, I think, can even be an advantage. Uh, in the Middle East more broadly, my sense has been over the 30 or so years that I've been working here, 
on and off that I can sometimes access opportunities that male contemporaries can't. So to my mind, it's been very much uh, a plus in the UAE and elsewhere. Um, but I do want to say very proudly that I am the first female Australian ambassador to the UAE. We've had ambassadors here over 20 years, but I'm the first woman. And to some extent, this is a message in itself. So um, to, to finalise my thinking on, on all of this, I would really emphasise to young women looking at diplomacy as an option, go for it. There is a place for you. Just need to find it, find your place in it, uh, and you will shine and you will find other women who will help you on your way and men as well. Uh, it's a question of being committed, enthusiastic, but authentic, uh, and you'll have a great career. Heidi, it's like we compared notes, and I know we didn't compare notes because I just finished mine 30 seconds before this podcast began. But I just want to echo the exact same things as Heidi just said. First of all, I actually have a saying that is almost like the saying you said that I made up, and it's and it's on my Twitter handle, so I can prove it, is if you can see it, you can be it. And it is a philosophy that I have used throughout my career even when people said, it's not possible, you can't do it, you're not ready yet, you don't have the gravitas, you don't have whatever. If I could see it, I could be it. And so that is the counsel that I give to many, many young foreign service officers who ask me, how did you get to where you are? Because people always want to know that story. So that is part of it. And the other thing I wanted to echo that you said, Heidi, is just how uh, welcoming the UAE has been and how unique it is to be a woman ambassador and how novel it is to be a female ambassador and in my case to be a Jewish female ambassador in the UAE. Um, I didn't know what to expect honestly when I when I got here and really the number one uh, question people ask me in Canada is what's it like to be a woman in the UAE? What's it like to be a female ambassador? And of course now what's it like to be a female Jewish ambassador in the UAE. And I can tell you, I did not know what to expect, but I was received so warmly here. And my gender, my religion, my nationality have had never have never been an issue. And I think partially that's because of the diversity that is the UAE, you know, with 80% of residents coming from somewhere else, there's just this very generous, welcoming environment. But I think it also speaks to the progressiveness of um, the UAE government and the and Emiratis writ large. And um, I also wanted to say that in, you know, what I've been most impressed about here since I arrived in 2018 was the, you know, the inspiring women that are, that represent the UAE from HEND being the strategic comms person for MOFA, for all the women I've met at MOFA, my entire geographic desk is all women. The ministers, Her Excellency Rimal Hashmi, Her Excellency Miriam Al-Muhari, like these women are freaking rock stars. They're carrying the biggest, heaviest portfolios and they have kids in tow and they're just rocking it all day, every day. So I think that is amazing. And I would say, and echoing what you said, is like a lot of women don't think of going to like what I would call non-traditional markets. And I think it is a unique advantage in this market, but in other non-traditional markets to be a woman, that you get, um, you stand out 
you know, Heidi and I are make up less than 10 of the, of the ambassadors here in the UAE. That's not a reflection on the UAE. That is the, the record all around the world. We are always one in 10 wherever we go. So we stand out. And I think that is a, a unique advantage. I'm so pleased to hear that you, you've had uh, such positive experiences here and uh, really appreciate your, your kind words. Um, I think believing in yourself is, is really critical here. And this is what the two of you have said. And I know, again, you know, earlier you've, you've shared some truly inspirational stories with me about your journeys, um, how you have become what you have become and how you have made it. And it really boils down to, to believing in yourself and really owning the fact that you do have a place, um, as you said, uh, ambassadors. I think we've now uh, reached the end almost of our uh, podcast. Uh, we heard how our three countries, the UAE, Australia, and Canada have succeeded in uh, advancing the role of women in diplomacy, uh, peace building, and uh, policy. Uh, as we all have seen in our capacity as government officials, it is critical for us to equip women with the necessary skills and ensure they have a seat at the table, uh, especially when it comes to decisions that affect them. In the coming period, as we work to overcome global challenges like the COVID-19 pandemic and threats to international security, women will continue to play a leading role in our efforts to achieve a healthier and safer world. I hope that today's conversation can help provide a roadmap uh, for how to keep improving uh, in this regard. It was a pleasure, absolute pleasure, uh, to hear your perspectives on how to empower women in the diplomatic field and inspire generations of women uh, to come. I want to thank you both for being here today. Thank, thank you so much, Your Excellency. This has been PodBridge, produced with the support of the Embassy of the United Arab Emirates in the U.S. For more information about the PodBridge project, follow us on Twitter at UAEUSA United or visit our website at podbridge.com.